0: Hi, this is Ted Johnson with the Fish on Ted podcast. And I wanna thank everybody for tuning in today. We've got a really an interesting interview and I'm really excited uh, uh, to uh, share this gentleman's uh, experiences and uh, a little about his insight on what he does. There's a tie with uh, this gentleman and his charter boat with the show Wicked Tuna on National Geographic. And so without further ado, let me introduce to you Captain Morrow. Captain Morrow, are you there? How are you doing, Ted? I'm doing great. How are you, man?
1: Good. Standing by. Getting ready that, the, for a great tuna season up here in Massachusetts.
0: That, that's great. Now, the, we're recording this um, the end of June in 2019. And uh, so it uh, is, I recall, that's just about the beginning of your season. Is, isn't that when the, the giant tuna start showing up?
1: Yeah, they've just been uh, coming into the waters in pretty good numbers this week, actually. Uh-huh. We have a first trip in about three days. I am extremely excited to go bend the rod. Absolutely. And after that, it's going to be just straight on fishing until the quota is met.
0: Yeah. Oh, terrific. Terrific. So, you know, kind of digging right into this, uh, Captain Morrow, in, in regards to the fishing bug that you caught, how... How long have you been fishing? Have you, do you start at a young age? And, and if so, what, what what were you
1: fishing for? Oh, man, that goes way back. I must have been like five years old. My dad would drag me and my brothers down to a little beach in Situate, Massachusetts. And we'd fish from the shore to catch stripers at night. And oh, he'd wow. have us out at 1 a.m., 2 a.m. It was crazy. but. It just started there, and it never ended.
2: Really? And then when
1: I was a little older, I got my first boat and, you know, did a lot of striper fishing, the inshore fishing, and one thing just kind of led to another. And I don't even know how the giant fishing came about. It just kind of morphed. Oh, really? And once I caught the first giant, that was it. I was hooked. I didn't hook that fish. That Uh fish hooked me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm telling you and it's a sickness it's a disease if you ask my wife she would call it a disease no doubt about
0: it now now
1: were you guys married
0: when this transition in your life happened yeah, yeah really, we were. <laughs> really?
1: That's oh, so well. i don't know why she didn't throw me out a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: that that must have been a transition in your relationship too i mean if uh uh, if you caught that bug to this degree, um, you know, you, you probably wanted to be out on the water uh, uh, most of the time at that point.
1: Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. But you know what, when you're when you're married and, and you have little babies at home, you got to put everything in order. And yeah, so dude. that definitely was not the time for me to be taking off for five days straight and just staying out there. I just couldn't do that. I had to do a lot of day trips and once in a great while, I'll do like a couple day trip. Yeah. And now that the kids are, you know, I need to make an appointment to see them. It's just, <laughs> I can go. I just, you know, I don't even make day trips unless it's a charter. Yeah. Other than that, I, your odds just are so much better when you get to p- spend multiple days out there.
3: Oh, good and that point. goes
1: for the charter people too. More and more charter people are realizing when they come for that one day charter, that they want to stay and so the next year they start booking two days so we can stay overnight or three days so we can spend two nights out there Mm -hmm. and your odds of going home with one two or multiple fish they just increase dramatically
0: yeah wow no kidding so how how many years have you been chartering for
1: giant bluefin uh it's gotta be like twenty four years, twenty five years now. Oh my it's, god. It's been a long It's been a long time. I love taking wow. people up and watching them just looking at their faces when that rod bends over for the first time and the drag is screaming. You know, no matter how much we tell them, listen, when this rod goes off, it's gonna be like you tied this to the back of your car and just took off at warp speed. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Most of them run away from the rod when it happens. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you,
2: are you serious?
1: Oh, it's a trip. It's great. I mean, because it's just such a violent strike most of the time. Uh-huh. Especially, especially the ones where there's not a lot of scope up. There's not a lot of line out. It's closer to the boat. So mm-hmm. when he takes that, or she takes it, and they head for the, you know, the horizon, it's just—it's insane. You'd have to—you can't even describe it. You just have to see it. You have to experience it.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, like a lot of things in life, you—you you can uh, talk about it all day long, but living through, going and going through that on the moment is a, is is I would imagine something that it's undescribable at that point.
1: Oh, well, there's no doubt about it. It's like. It's like the kickoff to the Super Bowl uh-huh. every single time the rod goes off. Oh, I And And the biggest thing, you know, the biggest time of losing these fish is usually at the beginning or the end. So that oh. first few minutes, it, it is everything right now. You work so hard for the bite, from the preparation to the, you know, making a, a hundred phone calls, Finding out where you're going to go, setting up your lines and your tackle to fish that particular area where you're headed to, getting the right baits, setting up, even before you get the baits, you got to set up, you got to look at the tides, you got to figure out what time you're going to be there, what time you're leaving, how you're going to map out your day, Mm -hmm. getting the right baits. I mean, so much goes into it all for that first three minutes. It's, it's intense, to say the least. Wow. But it's what draws us. it's It is the ultimate hunt. You are hunting. I mean, when a person comes on a chatter, they are hunting for a fish of a lifetime. That's what they're yeah,
0: doing. Yeah.
1: And they're going to have to earn it.
0: Well, and, and you know, as, just to share a little bit of our conversation prior to the interview, you know, you were talking about it, it's hunting, but not only is it hunting but once the 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 prey if you may or or the tuna gets within range you've got to put an attractive enough offering out there that they're going to take the bait and it's it's uh it isn't like shooting something that would that's within a couple hundred yards you know you can bring it down if you get a fish right next to the bait and he doesn't take it you're not taking fish home
1: no that's exactly it it isn't enough that you're in an area where there's fish. Mm -hmm. You need to have fish that are feeding, that are hungry. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, you can look at your fish finder and you can count, and it's happened to me, you can count 50 fish swim by under your boat during the course of a day and get zero bites. And that's frustrating because now you you start to question everything you do. Am I using the right line? Am I using the right leader? What about my bait? is my bait looking right? Am I using the right bait? What are they eating? Are they not eating this bait or that bait? And you start changing everything, just trying to induce that one bite. Mm -hmm. It it can Mm -hmm. be real frustrating some days and other days, you know, you get, we call it getting beamed in, you get beamed in, you're fishing in an area and you start to produce some bites. And now you really get zoned into what those fish are doing when they're in that area. Right, and that's when you really can go on a tear and just be so productive and mm-hmm. get a bite every single day you go fishing. And wow! Those, that's what drives us out there. The rest of yeah. it's insanity. That's what drives us out there. Once you get beamed in, your confidence level goes through the roof, and sure. there's no stopping you.
0: Sure. So I'm I'm curious. I, there, there's a fleet um, of boats in massachusetts that, that fishes for bluefin and i would imagine that you guys talk a little bit and, and share information and then i would imagine there are things you you just don't share but um how, how much uh, of that conversation is going on throughout the season uh, between you and other captains about kind of helping each other figure out where the fish are
1: yeah i mean i think most people in this in this um industry this giant tuna industry have a network most guys that fish have been fishing for a long time definitely um acquire a network over time
2: mm-hmm.
1: And the network is huge because like one of my buddies put it when, these fish live in a big house they live in a very big house and you got to figure out which room they're in to even have a shot at catching one okay and so sure. you know when when you start the season and your network consists of six or seven boats or four or five boats, you're not going to all go to the same spot. That really doesn't make sense now, does it? No, you all spread out and see what's going on where. Mm -hmm. And think about it. In one day, you can cover five areas of the ocean, whereas you could only cover one if it was by yourself. True. So you are going to share information with your network. Now, mm-hmm. all networks are different. They're not all created equal. Some guys tell other guys absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Some guys just, it's not in their nature. So they're going to keep some stuff to themselves. They'll right. just throw tidbits here and there. See, right. it's almost like a little dance you do with every other fisherman doing this this gig.
0: Uh-huh. It,
1: uh, sometimes, you know, me and Stan, my mate, they're band. You know, we we have what we call buddies and dock buddies, and your buddies are the ones that you're going to really share information with. The uh-huh. doc buddies are the ones who want the information and never give it back, and they can got go, it. you know, they can they can go piss in a hat. <laughs> but you got to figure them out quickly.
0: Right, right. Well, it's not like other types of fisheries where you're you're putting fish in the coolers. And you can hide what you've done during the day. I mean, you're having to winch these things out of the boat, and so nobody can really lie about how they've done it at the, at the end of their trip, can they? No, you really can't because
1: you have to sell the fish. It doesn't okay. matter how how sneaky you were about catching it and and putting it in your boat. You uh-huh. have to bring it to shore and sell it. And yeah. there's only you know. A handful or two handfuls of buyers, and everybody knows. Everybody knows everything.
3: Mm-hmm. They really
1: do. And you think the ocean's such a big place? I, I've just learned a long time ago: don't lie. Don't yeah. lie. If you don't want to tell somebody something, just be honest with them. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's better than lying to them.
2: Just,
0: yeah,
1: I don't. I don't lie. I'll just try to avoid questions if that makes any sense.
0: It does make sense. So, so that you said something just a little bit ago about all the fish have to be sold. Um, do you get many personal watercraft out out where you're fishing, and that are fishing alongside you, uh, um, or are they even allowed to uh, sport fish basically for giant bluefin?
1: I don't think they can stop you from sport fishing for them, um, uh-huh. but I would say probably 99% of the people that are out there fishing for giant bluefin are doing it commercially to, to sell the catch. Ah,
0: uh, Okay. Okay. It, it is a very valuable commodity. Is it not? It
1: is. It is. Yeah. You, you, sometimes the seems like most of the fish that bring the biggest money are the ones that get shipped to Japan. Mm-hmm. You know, the quality is right. The quality of the fish, the fat content, you obviously took care of it. I'm hoping, you know, you iced it down and you cooled it off, and and it goes to Japan and it it hits the market right. If you're mm-hmm. if you have a a gem of a fish and it goes over to Japan when there's no fish there, well, you're gonna hit it well. You're gonna hit it well. And there's other times that you have a marginal fish and it goes over to Japan with, you know, many many other marginal fish. And
0: you don't get quite the return you thought you were going to get. Now, now that's that interesting. So when you sell a fish, you, it's not based on what somebody's going to give you at the dock for it. It's based on what it's um, uh, uh, then sold for in, in, let's say, the Japanese market. Is that when you know how much you're going to get paid on it?
1: Yeah, I've never. I mean, once in a great while, a buyer might offer you money there at the dock, at his mm-hmm. dock, when you bring it in. But right. that that yeah. is what that is so far and few. Really, almost yeah. every buyer will take that fish, they'll process it for you. They'll take you know, remove the head, the tail, right. fins, and the you know, obviously you should have already removed the guts. They'll clean it up nice, and then they'll put it on ice and, and chill it,
2: mm-hmm. and then
1: take a look at the meat after it's been chilled for 24 hours to get a good look at that that meat and then from there they'll decide what's the best venue for the fish should we ship it to japan should we keep it in the united states i mean in the united states sushimi is becoming more and more commonplace Absolutely. When, while that's happening there's, there's more of a demand for it
0: mm-hmm.
1: as the demand increases so does the price now mm-hmm. think about the concept you don't have to pay all those shipping charges that you got to pay to put a ship on a plane and ship it to Japan. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. So you don't have to get as much per pound to make the same money. If you keep it domestically compared to shipping it to Japan. But from what I've seen over the years, those, those fish that hit it big, you know, those seems like always, those fish are always coming from Japan.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah it's, yeah. It's, it's amaz- yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I, I thought I read the other day that one fish went for almost a million dollars or something like that. I go, yeah,
1: oh, yeah. Oh, like, other- a day. Right? I, you know, obviously, Morrow doesn't catch those fish. But, <laughs> you know, there's, there's other fish that have gone for $300,000 and 100000 Yeah. If I, I'm happy. Let's face it. Most tuna fishermen, if we get a five-figure fish, we are thrilled thrill yeah. yeah yeah most of the most of the fish last year was a very down year i think it's also the ratio of yen to dollar that has something to do with it there's just a lot of dynamics at play
2: mm-hmm.
1: but like mm-hmm. um, you know most years uh, fish is selling for anywhere from three to five thousand dollars on average that's right. that's just to god's truth yeah. Three to five grand last year three thousand dollar fish were good I mean, last year was a tough year for us the fishermen. Prices yeah. were down. Yeah. It was just a tough year.
0: I'll be darned. I'll be darned. And is it based on the, I guess it's not even based on the size of the fish, is it? Because um, it, it's all based on the the, the 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 perception of quality to the to the end buyer, huh?
1: Yeah, a- absolutely. Like sometimes it's easier, you'll get a, a better price per pound on a smaller, on a smaller piece a smaller fish Mm -hmm. just because it's easier for the restaurant to move it compared to you know you bring in a fish that dressed at 250 pounds it's that they're going to be willing to pay more money for that fish if it's really good quality because they're going to they're going to move it quick right whereas if you bring in a fish that's 600 pounds you know, one buyer, one restaurant, they might even not even want it. They might have to team up with another restaurant or two restaurants to buy that fish. Uh, so okay. now, there's less, now there's less buyers bidding on your fish. So it isn't always like – it's, it's a weird dynamic. So you say the bigger fish, yeah, but you're selling 600 pounds of meat compared to 250 pounds of meat,
0: which mm. is correct.
1: You're, gonna, you're selling more pounds, but you're probably going to get less per pound.
0: Oh, interesting interesting
1: what i've always found in my experience and and again i know i mean i've been doing it a long time but i don't claim to be the expert of experts but Mm -hmm. what i've always found in my experience is the fish between now we're going to talk dress weight ted we're talking no head no we're talking what we get paid off of what we sell Mm -hmm. it's just the caucus of the fish it's the dress weight We always want a fish that's gonna dress between like three twenty-five and four seventy-five. That's the sweet spot that we've always done really well because we get a decent weight to sell and Mm -hmm. we also get the price per pound.
0: Oh got it. Yeah, Yeah.
1: no, so yeah, and it depends on what they're eating too. That's a huge (laughs) part of the equation. Like Fish that are feeding on bait fish that are full of fat, that you're going you're gonna to get more money for those fish.
0: Oh, got it. Okay.
1: So there's certain areas. You know, there were years back where the fish were feeding on Stellwagon Bay. And they were feeding on sand eels, sand hmm And there's not a lot of fat content in sand, sand eels. Yeah. So the fish really weren't paying very well at all because they just weren't fat. There was no fat quality to the fish, whereas you find areas where, you know, they're gouging on herring or mackerel. Those fish are going to pay well. They're going to pay real well.
0: Oh, interesting. Now, now this now this brings up a question. When you take someone that has chartered the boat to go uh, giant bluefin fishing, that fish isn't something they take home then. it, um, it Do they get any sort of percentage of it if, if the fish is sold?
1: Yeah, I, we give twenty percent. And okay. I go back and forth. Sometimes I it's gonna sound crazy. Sometimes I'll cut them a check for twenty percent, but then I have to go through all the BS of ten ninety nine in them at the end of the year and things like that. Right. And a lot most of the time and what I've been leaning towards is just giving them twenty percent of whatever the fish sells towards off of future charters, whether they're tuna charters, striped bass charters, shark charters, whatever they want to do. Oh, God! it. Okay. bet on the 1099 stuff. Uh-huh. Because it, it really is a pain in the, you know what, having the 1099, all the different people that caught fish with us every year. Oh, I'll bet.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, that, I mean, gosh, if somebody gets a, a nice fish on board, they've <clears throat> they got a couple trips paid for don't they
1: oh yeah yeah if they if we get a good solid one yeah they they uh-huh. could have a couple free chockers out of the jail and that's happened i mean uh two years ago we got oh we got a, a diamond actually it was a crazy story because we we're fighting the fish and they were there was a group of four of them you know mom dad son-in-law daughter
2: okay and
1: uh it was a very hot August day, very hot, about 90 degrees, humid. It wasn't a breath of wind. And we hooked into a nice, you could, me and Stan though, it, it, it was a nice fish. Mm-hmm. You're talking seven, eight, 900 pounder easy. And um, we're fighting them and, and we're letting the charter people, they're like going through and taking turns on the rod. You know, you you let them off until they get tired, and then you get them off. You want a fresh body on the rod all the time. Mm -hmm. So the dad gets off, and then he passes out on the deck.
2: Oh, crap, really?
1: What an experience that was. Next thing you know, we got the Coast Guard out there. We got the Harbor Master out there. We got EMTs out there, and we're still fighting fish.
0: Oh, my God, really?
1: The whole thing. and it was, he just overheated. Yeah. You know, and, and I called, you know, I don't have the fastest boat. So we, the Coast Guard was close enough by that help was right there. So we, they came right over, jumped on the boat and we just continued fighting the fish and we had, we had the audience of audiences. We had, I mean, there were EMTs and stuff. I'm like, they're like watching us fight the fish. I'm like, um, can we look at him, please? <laughs> right, right. But no, and that no. fish turned out to be, oh, that fish turned out to be like a massive money fish too. Really? It was. It was. Yeah, it was a dreamy fish. We did very well on that fish. Wow, wow. They're, and they're actually coming back for another chatter uh, this year. That's paid for. <laughs> Real,
0: really, really. Yeah. Wow, you're going to yeah. have to take dad off the rod a little sooner
1: this next time. You know what's funny is uh, he's actually a charter boat captain up in the Great Lakes. He just overheated, that's all. He's a really? great fisherman. He just overheated. Yeah.
0: Oh, no kidding. No kidding. So so sort of going back to when somebody books a charter with you, uh, Captain Morrow, what what do you tell them over the phone about, what to bring and and what to expect uh, before, you know, before they set sail with you? Yeah, I mean, as far as what to
1: bring, obviously food, water, drinks, whatever you want to drink, um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, and bring some rain gear because we don't know what the weather's going to be like out in the ocean. Right. I mean, I'm not going to take people out if it's really windy and nasty. They're not going to have fun. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we do get rained on here and there.
2: Mm-hmm. Other than
1: that, we supply everything else. You know, you get the okay. captain, the tackle, the captain, the bait, the boat, the tackle and the bait. I mean
2: mm-hmm.
1: there's really nothing else you gotta bring. We just bring a really good positive attitude and be ready to work. Like mm-hmm. we need bait and it's your job to get that get us that bait. you oh. you know are you there are you there to watch or are you there to work? Are you there to watch? Then we're just going to jig bait all day long. You can watch us do it. I think right, it'd be better right. if you went out and jig the bait all day long and had a fishing experience because that's why you're here.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
1: And let and us do our thing around you. Yeah. So so it when always you yeah. that way. So when you
0: leave the docks, how how far out do you typically go before you start fishing?
1: Well, that's that brings us back to the day trip or multi-day trip you know on a day trip my hands are kind of tied where i can go
3: i can't spend
1: i can't spend on a 12-hour trip i can't spend four hours driving four Mm. hours fishing and four hours driving home that's not going to be very productive right but on a multi-day trip i can go anywhere i want so my hands are not tied whatsoever if those fish are sixty miles out, we're going sixty miles out. If those fish mm-hmm. are, you know, eighty miles out, we're going eighty miles out. If trust me, I'd rather go ten miles. It's better on the fuel economy. But <laughs> you gotta I'm always gonna try to go where the body of fish is. Uh-huh. And give I always want the best odds of hooking up. Because without right. the hookup, you have not, you have zero zilch, nada. Mm-hmm. It's all about that hookup. You've got to get the hookup. And I can't stress that enough. People want to leave the dock at 6 a.m.? That's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take you fishing at 6 a.m. Just know mm-hmm. we just missed dawn. We just missed on, and we're probably going to miss the morning tide. So you just took us out of two prime feeding periods for today.
0: Oh, really?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so uh-huh. you just took our odds. Ride- You just took our odds of hooking up that are usually around 50% and you just Mm -hmm. dropped them down to about 25% or less. Wow. But it's your chatter. I'll do whatever you want to do. I'm not Mm going to, I'm not going to make people leave the dock at 2 a.m. if they don't want to.
0: Right, right. Wow. Amazing. So,
1: so you leave the dock
0: at two and you get to where you're wanting to fish three hours later, four hours later. Uh, wh- whatever that, that well, sometimes,
1: sometimes sometimes it's an hour and a half Ted. sometimes it's two hours okay. sometimes it's an hour drive because the fish are in tighter okay. you don't know so I mean let's face it I'll give you a little tidbit right now your prime feeding times are you listening? I am are, are you listening? because this 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 took me years to figure out your prime okay. feeding times are dawn and dusk and right at the tide changes. That's when you're going to get 90% of your bites. Oh, really? So I think you should pay attention to those times.
0: Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. So right, right basically at slack
1: tide, Every one, and that's when you better make sure your baits are, are doing what they should be doing and your spread is correct and everything's perfect. Because if mm-hmm. it isn't, you're out of the game for that, that prime feeding period
0: yeah wow no kidding so so how many rods do you have out at a time when you when you're uh, when you're fishing
1: it really depends on the area you're fishing like it really it, it there's a lot of variables with that sometimes you just can't i like fishing three but, uh-huh. again, how many rods you fish is really just personal preference. Every captain will have something different to say. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are days, like there was a day two years ago where we were allotted five fish a day. And by wow. 10 o'clock in the morning, me and Stan had five fish on the deck. And we were only fishing one rod. Really? That's all, that's all we needed because the fish were just that thick. We could have caught 25 fish that day.
0: Oh, my God. That's incredible, it, man.
1: Yeah, it, it was tough leaving them, but we were smoked, too. It was yeah. just the two of us. We had to deal with five fish in about
0: a three- or four-hour period. Right. Well, and, and the and the work just starts, it sounds like, once you get the fish on board, right? I mean, that, that's all oh, you yeah. got. Now, the,
1: yeah, you're tired from the fight. You're tired from the grueling fight you just had with this beast, this monster. And now, you, yeah, I mean, you've got to prep them. You want top dollar for this fish now. Mm-hmm. You know, you've already swam them. You've already bled them. Now you got to get them on the boat quickly. And right. you got to get, get everything inside of them out so you can pack that carcass with ice and cool it and chill it down.
0: Oh, got it. And really?
1: Yeah, that's, you can never carry too much ice, Ted. Trust me, you cannot. <laughs> these things, you put your hand in one when you're cleaning it out after, you, you know, you come on the deck, and you'll be amazed at how warm it is in there.
0: Oh, no kidding. These, really?
1: Oh, yeah. These These fish develop a lot of heat internally, and that's what happens. That's what makes the meat go bad, is they'll burn from the inside out.
0: Oh, wow, really? So you, you bring one the board you, at nine o'clock and in then the you bar. have
1: a fish you've yeah. worked
0: Yeah. Go
1: ahead. And then you have a fish that you've worked so hard for that's now worthless. Oh gosh. That'd be a Brutal, terrible huh? yeah. yeah. Yeah that's yeah, that was a terrible. That you you learn those lessons quick. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. You know you, you chill that baby down.
2: Yeah. That's the first
1: yeah. thing that happens yeah that that fish gets chilled down and then usually around three hours later i'll recheck and we'll repack them again Mm -hmm. and if we're staying out for multiple days that fish will get repacked over and over oh yeah so
0: so on on the way out to the fishing grounds i would imagine if you have new people that haven't been out before you're you're having you're doing some schooling if you may about what's going to happen when we get a hookup right Oh, yeah.
1: Yep. It's, it, it gets talked about. It has to be talked about the whole time because it's just really important. Again, mm-hmm. your odds of losing a fish are the greatest in the first three minutes and the last three minutes. Mm-hmm. That's your greatest odds of losing a fish, Barring mm-hmm. another boat coming by and running over your line because they're idiots. You know, sometimes you'll have a fish that stays up high. Usually the big ones do this. They'll stay up high, and they're running. And they'll have 300, 400 yards of line, easy out. Holy
0: moly. And
1: that's a long distance between your boat and that fish. And I've had Zillberg come by and just cut them off and shit.
0: Oh, it's
2: brutal.
1: Absolutely brutal. People sipping martinis, wondering, they think you're waving at them. Oh, really? No kidding. Yeah, but you can't blame them. They don't know any better. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, it just sucks. It is. It just sucks. Yeah. You know, wow. these are the risks you play fishing in a fleet. You're fishing yeah. in a fleet. Everybody bank it up. How many anchor lines are there?
0: Right, right.
1: Now your your risk of losing a fish wrapped in an anchor line just increased dramatically because your anchor line is the only one around. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and so you know you, you're playing all the odds in your head all the time and and you yeah. got to tell you know you got to school the charter people because they don't do this every day right. this isn't what they do they're, they're not professional tuna fishermen
3: mm-hmm. so you,
1: you got to understand that right from the get-go and you got to school them they got to know what they you got to give them the game plan they yeah. got to know what the game plan is you know and then I'll tell you another little tidbit. So while we're letting the chatter people on the fish, so now we've hooked up and we're fighting the fish and we're we're doing the round robin. Mm
2: -hmm. We're also
1: watching who's good on the rod. Because, again, when's the the biggest time of losing a fish? The first three minutes and then what?
0: The last three minutes.
1: The last three minutes. So you want somebody really good on that rod at the end game. Because I'm not going to swap out anymore at that point. you don't have time to anymore at that point you got to understand that hook the whole time you're you're fighting that fish that hook is making a hole if -hmm. there's any slack line any slack line at the end what happens to the hook it falls out sure it does and your swims away so you need somebody that knows the routine and is going to keep that rod Spent over, lapped over the entire time, especially at mm-hmm. the end. There's mm-hmm. so a little yeah. bit of intensity going on. But if you had ten k at the ten k at the end of the line, you'd be intense too.
0: Sure, you would. Sure, you would. Yeah, that uh, that uh, it, it's not only uh, you know for bragging rights, but uh, it is money in the bank for everybody, isn't it? Oh, that's
1: yeah, that's. We've already done the Facebook pictures. We don't catch tuna for Facebook anymore. Uh-huh. The chatter people are doing that. You know what I mean? They, they're right. coming for a pretty Facebook picture and that's good for them. This, they should be proud of what they've accomplished when they catch that fish. Mm-hmm. Very few people on the planet, when you think about it, have been able to do it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, mm-hmm. But for Stan and me, it's all about the money. I'm just going to yeah. be honest with you. It's a job. It's a business. Why do you go to work every day? Of course, we love it. Of course, yeah. we love it. We're blessed to be able to do what we love. Amen. But in the end, we have to catch fish and make money doing it, or we won't be doing it very long.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so true.
1: So true. So so out of the, the,
0: the hundreds of trips that you have taken with people over the years, there's there's got to be a couple stories in there that you just go oh you wouldn't you know every trip has its stories but you won't believe this one do you you have something or a trip that that you've taken recently that you can share with us that was one of those oh my god
1: that happened um most most of it's pretty good most people are pretty good and you don't oh all right i will tell you want to hear a heartbreaking trip
0: sure absolutely
1: one in here, an absolute heartbreaking trip. So we take this group out, we go to a piece of bottom that's about 10 miles, 15 miles out, and we're fishing all day long. And really not much is going on. We've marked a few fish, we've gone through the tide changes, we have really good baits on. But, <clears throat> you know, there's just some days that you just feel like it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I spend an extra couple hours because I really enjoy the people that I'm with and I want to see them get on, get on a fish. Mm-hmm. So it's about nine o'clock at eight thirty at night. The sun's gone down, it's dark. And I tell Stan, all right, that's it. Let's just bring them in and let's go. You know, and of course there's disappointment in the charters people. I mean, I'm disappointed. I want to catch a fish every day I go fishing. That's why we leave the dock. Right. So, I start the engine, I'm in the house. I, you know, Stan's letting them bring in the lines and Stan's got the balloon in his hand for the last line. And I Mm -hmm. hear him go, we're on. I'm like, shut up. He goes, no, we're on. I turn around and I see the rod. "Ah!" I'm like, oh yeah, (laughs) we are baby, we're on. And the thing screaming live. We hooked, we hooked an absolute demon. And I mean that in every sense of the word. Really? We fought that fish from 9 o'clock at night till 7.30 in the morning. He pulled us 13 miles. Oh, good. Then, really? Yeah. Everybody, I at one point during the night, I said to Stan, I'm going to go take a nap. And I fell asleep for three hours. We couldn't stay awake anymore. And really? we're fighting the fish the whole time. Yep. And what a heartbreaking loss. Everybody was dejected. That was the longest time I've ever fought a tuna fish, 10 and a half hours. And we never really had a shot with him at the harpoon.
0: Oh, really? Just never had a
1: shot. Yeah. Never got him close enough to really have a decent shot. Wow. I I don't know. It was just an absolute beast. We saw him a couple times, but just not worthy of a shot. But I'll tell you what. Those guys they're not quitters they came back last year and they booked an overnight trip and they got Uh their fish really They got their fish so happy for them yeah absolutely yeah but that was a heartbreaker man i mean imagine fighting something for 10 and a half hours and then that's it just bye-bye that's unfathomable
0: i mean good lord 10 and a half hours you know and and you got to be passing that rod at least every hour, aren't you? I mean, I mean, you're you're changing up and
1: and. <laughs> with oh next- yeah, not not even not even every hour. I mean, by then guys were going on it for ten minutes and just because they're so smoked. Really. I mean, yeah, that that was like I said, that fish was. I don't know if I want to hook a fish like that again, Ted. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I There's- like the one and a half hour battles. I'll take those all day long.
0: Yeah. There's just some things in life you want to check off and just never do again. You know?
1: Yeah. That was one of them. I mean, we've, we've had some long battles before. We fought fish in, for six hours. We uh-huh. fought fish in 60 mile an hour winds. Um, really? you know, like it was just last year we fought a fish. We were fighting, fighting a fish and a squall came through mm-hmm. and man, I've never fought a fish in worst weather in my life. Like, I had it on camera, but it rained so hard, and the wind was so hard that the cameras couldn't pick anything up during it. And Stan was on the rod, and I was at the wheel. And at one point, it blew so hard, a gust of wind, that it actually took the breath out of my lungs. I'd never felt that before in my life. And I was thinking, if it gets any worse, we're just going to have to cut this fish off. Yeah. And, man, it stayed like that for a good half hour, 45 minutes. At one point, it was a little scary, I'll tell you. Oh, and you man. know what? We got him. Oh he did. Stanley, the bear is a beast. He's yeah. an absolute beast on the rod. Yeah. And, and that's what's great when chatter people come on and they get on the rod because he's the one coaching them through it.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: by the time they're done with that fish, he's turned most of them to pretty good anglers, I'll tell you that.
0: Oh, I'll bet. I'll bet. Oh, that's incredible, man.
1: So so oh, man. Uh, that, yeah. that's that was one I'll never forget. Yeah. That, I don't I'll know, know ne- if I ever want to fight another fish in that weather, but
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh amazing.
1: So so I'm just we curious, were wet. What, what
0: yeah. tell us about your connection with the with the show Wicked Tuna.
1: Oh, that was fun. So um about five years ago i think it was season four paul hebert who's a cat one of the captains on the show yeah and a really good fisherman he um he approached me because he didn't have a boat yet he was in the process of of getting his boat but it wasn't going to be here in time for that season when when they were filming that season so he approached me about hey can i jump on your boat you know I'll have to be the captain, obviously, because that's, you know, I'm the captain on the show. Right. I don't know if I, how you feel about being a mate on your own boat. And I was like, you know, I mean, how many opportunities in life do you have to do something like that? I love an adventure. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'll do this. I'll check my ego at the door and deal with it sure. and go have fun mm-hmm. with it. And I figured it, you know, think about it. Your boat's going to be on National Geographic, right? That's a lot of publicity, more publicity than most people can pay for.
2: Oh, absolutely. So
1: I looked at it as a win win. I got the fish with Paul, who I, I consider to be a really good tuna fisherman, you know, and we got the fish side by side. And you know what's funny? We didn't do very good with the cameras on the boat mm-hmm. while they were filming. And then when they were done filming and they took the cameras off the boat, we kicked. Freaking ass, and we were like, "Oh God, why couldn't we have done this like two weeks earlier?" Right. We absolutely kicked ass. We were getting, we were doubling up every other day, like getting two on at the same time, and catching both of them. And it was, it was just really fun. It was fun. I'll say that. And I learned a lot from him, and I think he learned a lot from me. And to this day, we we are he like we're in the same network, obviously. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No
1: kidding. So, so you were on.
0: Uh, what uh, people wanted to find it, they they go into what season four and yeah, season for, four. Your, Wicked tuna with Paul Paul Liebert uh, on the television. Okay, got it, got it. I'll be darned. Gosh, and you're right. What exposure? I mean, I mean, you, you can't buy that, can you? No, you can't buy that. Have,
1: yeah. Come on, having your vote on national television. I mean, oh. people. It was five years ago, and people come walking by the dock, and they're like, "Hey, weren't you? Wasn't this boat on Wicked Tuna?" You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It never goes away because they're constantly playing reruns and things of like that. And I got to tell you, it was a great experience all the way around. I met some really nice people, and mm-hmm. I made a lot mm-hmm. of contacts, and I still have them to this day. I don't. Mm-hmm. There's zero regrets with signing on to do that. Zero. No, no, not at all, not at all. Um, amazing, amazing. And, and and they never offered us. They didn't have us back, and I think I know why. Because we would have kicked all their little captain's asses. <laughs> <laughs> that,
0: that sounds like you just drew a line in the sand, Gatmore.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I'm friends with them, so uh, they know it's all bullshit. <laughs> no, but we would definitely hold our own, I'll tell you that. No doubt yeah. about
0: that. Yeah, no I'll doubt be darned.
1: I'll be right. gosh
0: what a what a great experience. You got some really I
1: I will say this Ted, you got some really good fishermen on that show.
2: There's no mm-hmm. doubt. They they've mm-hmm. done
1: very well with who they've have on that show. There's right. some fishy fish guys on that show. Yeah. And uh I I definitely look up to a few of them. Yeah. You know. So, so when you
0: when, yeah, when you're talking to somebody about booking a charter, I mean, you you're you're telling them not only to bring food and to bring rain gear and whatever else you need, but you're, you're probably also mentioning on the phone, you got to bring patience, right? Because it's, uh, you're either on or you're off.
1: I got, I, I tell them all the time, listen, deer hunt the mentality. You know, who has the, you know, who does the best is hunters. They already have the mentality. They already know. It's all about that one shot, right? They already know it. They have the best mentality. So people that don't hunt, you kind of got to get them into that deer hunt the mentality groove. Because Mm -hmm. they're watching Wicked Tuna. And what happens on Wicked Tuna? They take two weeks of footage amongst five boats and turn it into a one-hour episode. Right, right. And everybody's hooking up every six minutes. And I'm like, all right, there's reality and then there's real. Mm -hmm. Now, nothing, listen, nothing against the show. I'm not knocking the show. They have to do what they have to do to make a show. But tuna fishing is real. And you're looking for one bite and we don't know when that bite's gonna come. We have a 12-hour mm-hmm. window on a day charter to make that happen. Right. You know? And so, you're gonna see us work diligent and hard, but at the same time, have fun and laugh. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like a, an inner intensity that's constantly there that you learn to work around and enjoy yourself while you have it. Does that mm-hmm. make any sense? No, it does. Yeah. It does. And yeah. You're, you're constantly going to be coaching them. And you're, you, you kind of set them up even on the phone call when they call you to book the chatter of what the day is going to entail. And at the same token, you're kind of figuring out what they want. If they want to bend a rod the whole day and have a shot at a tuna fish, then I'm going to take them to a different area where we, they can catch some haddock while we still have a shot at a tuna fish.
2: Mm-hmm. But if
1: they're strictly about catching the tuna fish, then I could care less about bending the rod on the bait fish for them all day long. And I'm going to really just concentrate on where I think is my best odds of bending that rod. Mm-hmm. So it really does depend on the people that are coming on board. Because I, at in the end, it's all about the experience, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, in it the is, end. Absolutely. It is. You know, I, I, it's tell all people about- I, 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 forgive me. I, I tell people a lot. I, I, I say this um, maybe more often than, than I should, but your job as a charter captain is extremely important in this life because you know, people, people are working all the time. They're, they're just intense and they're all, <clears throat> you know, kind of steamed up and, and uh, they're not enjoying themselves. And you know what you're providing them is not only a great experience, but it's memories. And I can guarantee you almost that you know if somebody's lying there, you know, at 94 on their deathbed. They're probably not thinking about the business deals they did, but they're you know they're thinking about that time they were fishing with Captain Morrow and and they hooked up on a 500 pound tuna. I'll bet that's what they're thinking of. And and you know. Th- as a charter captain, you should be commended for that because you're giving them one of those, you know, few lifetime experiences that they're going to carry with them forever. And, uh, um, and gosh, you get to do that every day, man. What a, what
1: a great job. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. It really is. And and you just nailed it. I mean, that's exactly what we're trying to provide. Mm
2: -hmm. Can I,
1: can I guarantee a hookup every, I wish I could but let's just be real here. That's not going to happen, you know, but I can still provide a good experience for them. Mm -hmm. There's no reason Mm -hmm. for them not to have a good experience. They don't, charter people don't get to be on the water every day. They don't get to see whales. they don't get to see porpoises or seals. They don't get to catch bait fish all day long. They don't get to see the excitement of Maro's eyes. When all of a sudden one tuna comes on the screen and I'm watching the rod to see if it bends over. Mm-hmm. you know this is this is like all it's you got to make it all part of the whole experience for them yeah and and at the same token they got to be ready for what it entails to actually catch one of these behemoths
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's just a lot of work it's a lot of work yeah but again yeah. you know nothing in life nothing in life worthwhile comes easy so true so true you're trying to catch of a lifetime, Ted. Like
0: yeah. for
1: the rest of your life, you will remember this fish yeah. for the rest of your life. Yep, that will be imprinted in your DNA forever. Mm-hmm. So, you know mm-hmm. that's going to come with a little bit of hardship.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Because you're you not know there to I,
1: watch they, they do all
0: the work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they be, they become part of the machine, don't they?
1: They sure do. It, it, yeah. it it's a team. It's a team. Mm-hmm. You become part of a team. Every charter turns into a team. Yeah. That's why I have the same groups that come year after year because the team's already built. Uh-huh. The team's already built. And like many of them have already caught fish with me, sometimes many fish. And mm-hmm. we don't even talk anymore about what's gonna happen when we hook up. They're already they already gotta figure it out. They've right. already run it through their heads a thousand times. Mm-hmm. So it's I love that camaraderie that you develop with people, and it's people from all over the world. I have groups from Australia, California, Texas, Canada. I mean, you meet people from everywhere. Uh huh. I think that's what I love about the most is is the people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The people
1: make it special. They do. They make it a special experience and a special day on the water. You look at it. You. I look at, I try to look at it through their eyes, the newness of it. Everything's Mm -hmm. new, you know, and, and I, it brings me back to appreciation, appreciating what, what we have, what we get to do every day. Right. It's pretty cool. It's really cool. very
0: cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very few people have, you know, have that experience that you do. Right, uh, being able to do that, you know, kind of day in and day out, and uh, yeah, uh, you're you're a blessed guy, that's for sure.
1: Oh yeah, we are all blessed around here. Like we have these fish right in our backyards. How nice is that? Yeah. How nice is that we're we are extremely blessed. Oh yeah. We complain yeah. about we complain about crap all the time, but we're still blessed. <laughs> Good the point. The life of a
0: tuna is not easy, dude. Yeah now, now are tuna found in other waters other than where you're fishing, or are they pretty well yeah. concentrated? Yeah. In, in a, okay No, 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 they
1: find. These fish these fish are they're world travelers. They're, the fish we catch seem to either be coming from the Mediterranean Sea or the Gulf of Mexico. So they're traveling great distances. Wow. They catch these fish all over the planet now.
0: They're oh, just they finding do? out
1: more and more about them all the time, but that uh, sometimes that's a bad thing too, though, because yeah. you know you you start finding out where the fish's primary spawning areas are. What happens in the spawning area? That's where fish are really gathered together in huge numbers, right? Right. And aggressive. They're going to spawn. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're letting. Other countries know that this is going on and their fleets will get out there and start decimating the fish. Oh, got it. So there's good and bad in that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like we've always known that the Gulf of Mexico was a spawning area for these fish. We've mm-hmm. always known that the Mediterranean Sea was another spawning area. Uh huh. And, you know, they started tagging the fish to try to see if there's actually two different stocks of fish.
0: Right. And
1: by doing so, they found other spawning areas as well. Oh, and right. like, sometimes we're better off not knowing that.
0: Yeah.
1: There's no doubt, not, I mean, these fish are ocean travelers. We catch a lot of fish that have Mediterranean tags in them. Oh, no kidding.
0: Well, that must be oh, kind yeah. of fun, bringing one on board. It and, is. And seeing where, it, where it's from, where, where, where it was last seen.
1: Yeah. And sometimes you can just look at the fish and look at the colors and you're like, Oh, that's a Met fish. Cause uh-huh. just the colors are different. The purples yeah. are different. The blue different. You know, yeah. other times you'll look at the fish, you'll look at a fish and it's like Brown. You're like, Oh, that just came from Canada. He's been eating heron up there. This big oh. slob's been eating heron up there the whole, whole summer. Oh, got it. Yeah. Oh. So you kind of figure out where they've been. Uh uh-huh.
0: Huh? Oh, that's, that's crazy. So, so what, are the, what are the top three questions people ask you over and over again when they get on the boat with you?
1: How long have you been doing this? uh uh-huh. How big is your biggest fish? And how much money does a fish pay? Oh, okay. Those are the biggest three. Got it. Well, that, makes the biggest sense. that makes yeah. that makes sense I mean they, they you know everybody's curious and they want uh-huh. they want they want it from the lips of someone that does it every day
0: right,
1: you know so I've been doing it for twenty five years. my biggest fish is roughly twelve hundred fifty pounds. I don't know what the whole weight was, but it dressed out at nine seventy two good Lord yeah. yep and as far as uh, how much we make on the fish that really is so different year to year you just you don't know Mm
0: -hmm. again there's there's the
1: yen to dollar exchange rate there's so many variables
0: right I
1: I just do it because I love it Uh I love what I do I get to make money doing what I love and I'm just so far away from hanging up the bootstraps oh that's cool so so you have a day off what do you do uh work at my shop my automotive shop or try to take a day and spend it with the family or work on the boat those are the yeah. three things yeah oh, Still gotta work on the boat a lot still got yeah. cha- you gotta maintain the girl because you're gonna be relying on her the whole season that's true that, that's gotta true. Make sure stuff's right. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be breaking down when it can be, you know, avoided. Right. Right. So so but if, that's if, what that's what it pays. That's what it pays to have a good mate.
0: Yeah.
1: Like Stan's a great mate. He's also a mechanic by trade. So for us to do things on the boat is a lot easier than like for other people to do that kind of stuff, because we're already mechanics to begin with. Right we got a little leg up on that uh-huh you
0: know well that, that's a, people don't that's realize a, how important that is if you have a boat and you don't have, know how to work on on uh, on the mechanics of the boat you're in trouble if you're out too far oh yeah oh yeah
1: and and it also we're always trying to plan ahead like okay we're always running through scenarios what if this happened well do we have the parts to, to get us and get us back safely what if this happened what if that happened what so the scenarios are constantly going through your head Mm -hmm. and we take all the safety courses you know we take the safety courses every year where you go put a survival suit on jump in the water and the whole nine yards you just you can't do enough of it right safety fighting course safety this course safety that course you can't get too much of it you cannot Makes make sense.
0: Now, uh, how many people can you take fishing
1: at a time? Yeah, so we're a six-pack chata, which probably about 99% of us are. You're allowed mm-hmm. to take six people, plus right. the captain and the mate.
0: Right, so eight people on board. And yeah, is eight right?
1: people on board.
0: Yeah, yeah. okay. Well, that, yeah, and you're right. Most most captains, uh, you know, they're running under a six-pack license, and, and you're not a party boat. Uh, I, I can't imagine... Uh, you stick in many more people on the boat trying to you know, fish for the type of fish that you do. But yeah, uh, I
1: don't think the boats doing day trips for tuna for these things, you know.
0: Yeah, no, no.
1: no. Yeah, that's a that's a
0: different fishery all the to, altogether on, on or a different experience altogether. But uh Yeah so it, I haven't yeah.
1: seen it. I haven't seen it happen. Maybe it does, but I would be shocked. It would yeah. be it would be a clutch, that's for sure. <laughs>
0: So so if if on your client's bucket list there's there's that box that says catch a giant bluefin tuna what what's on your bucket list
1: On my bucket list? Yeah. Catch my next giant bluefin tuna. Oh, I love it, really. That's on my bucket list. Yeah. It's always about the next one. Uh-huh. Always. Yeah. Always always always. You can't do anything about the last one. You know? That's true. You can't change the price you got for it. You can't change if you lost it. You can't do any of that. It's always about the next fish. Always. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. You, I got to have that mentality to keep the drive.
0: Right, right. Yeah, good
1: point. Yeah, because you're going to get burnt out during the season. You're going to get, you're going to be tired. I mean, it. it it's a grind, man. This, this fishery is a grind mentally. Yeah physically, emotionally. And so I just, I just keep that mentality. I, I want that next fish. Got to go there get that go. next fish. Got to go get that next fish or else, or else I'm going to get lax. And if I get lax, it's over. Mm-hmm.
0: So this coming season, uh, when, when, uh, when do you start fishing? <clears throat> uh, and then
1: uh, when, when do you uh, stop fishing? So I'm going to start in three days. Okay. And we will fish until so it's a regulated fishery, and it's done by weight by quota. Okay. And so, once the quota is full, the fishery stops. It's over. Oh. Okay. So we will okay. fish every day possible until the quota is filled, and then we will sleep for a month. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, so generally, does that take you through August or does it take you further into September before they close the season? Yeah. So how they break it up
1: is uh, June. So they have this. They have this large quota for the whole season and then they break it up into sub quotas. June, July, August is one sub quota. September has its own quota and October has its own quota. And the last few years, they've had a little tiny quota in December, which absolutely sucks because I hate the cold.
2: Yeah, yeah. So
1: I don't know if they're going to continue with the December quota. I heard that they're going to do away with that, which wouldn't break my heart whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you're at least fishing into October. Now, what happens is once the June, July, and August quota gets filled, say it gets filled on August 15th, then there won't be any selling of tuna for the last two weeks of August. You can still take charters out and go tag and release the fish, but you can't, right. sell the, you can't kill the fish. And sometimes charters have way more fun on a tag and release day because there's way less boats fishing, so there's less uh-huh. pressure on the fish. And we okay. usually get a lot more multiple hookups. And then September will have its own quarter, which is a very small quarter. You probably get like nine days in. So you'll fish every day that's fishable. Uh-huh. And then October has a small quota. It's a rat race, Ted. It's a rat race. It's, it's absolute rat race.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. And that's,
1: you're going to fish every day possible.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the coming season, um, how are you doing uh, in regards to bookings? Are there, are, are there, are there still availabilities out there?
1: yeah we're pretty much booked up for July. We got some availability in August and some in September. so uh-huh. you know if somebody listen to this book, this podcast and they want to book, make the call because it as soon as you start seeing people catching fish. I don't know how people know, but they fa- whether it's Facebook, social media I don't know how they know, but the phone starts ringing more and more and more mm-hmm. and we'll we'll be booked every day. There's no doubt about it. We will be booked every day. Very good. How how do people get a hold of you, Mara? Uh, they go right on the website, KellyAnnCharters.com. Okay. And uh, they can either they can either shoot me an email through the website. They can call call me on my cell phone. It's available twenty four seven. Just give me a buzz if you have any questions. If I'm in range, I'll pick up if I'm out of range, just leave me a voicemail, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible mm-hmm. um or you can always shoot me an email, which I get those at sea so oh, that okay. that might be the best way to go in about three days yeah that okay that's good to know that's good to
0: know and you book uh single day trips and then multiple day trips um the yep. the longest it's one being on, on the website. yeah yes.
1: Yeah. All the info's right on the website, uh-huh. Um Single trips, multiple day trips. It's pretty much all the same price. So you're not paying extra to go multiple days. Got it. You know whether, you, Yeah, so you're getting all that extra fishing time and getting to spend the night out in the water, which in July and August is beautiful. Oh, I bet. And um, your, your odds of catching a fish, because I'm very nocturnal, so I fish all night long.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and we catch a lot of fish in the dock a lot too oh no kidding well i,
0: I would yeah. imagine there are times that you take out a group for a day trip and you hook up at the very last moment and now it's almost an overnighter isn't it i mean if you've got a if you got a six hour fight on a fish you know that takes you into the next day
1: yeah i'm certainly not cutting the fish off <laughs> that's for sure. no not yeah. at all not at all yeah sometimes i've I've had a few issues with the next day's chatter, you know, having to call them up and say, you know, we'll be done when we're done. There's nothing I can do here. We're on a fish. Right. Usually people are very understanding of that. Oh, oh, they'd have to be. I mean,
0: they, you know, you, you would want other people to be understanding of you hooked up, right? Uh, on, yeah, on a fish. Absolutely. I mean, you can't, you can't yeah, take that like, away from somebody. Like I said, you're not going
1: to cut a fish off.
0: That's not going
2: to mm-hmm. happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Very good. my game plan is to go out there, right? put the bait, first bait in the water, hook up, catch them, and then go take those pictures. Right. That's perfect. Set. Right. Everybody's happy. They're not tired. Everybody's good. Yeah. Then they can That's- celebrate. They can have their beer or wine or whatever they're going to drink.
0: Yep. Now that, uh, that sounds like a great, a, a great day that uh, everybody should experience at least
1: once at least once i'm at telling you that it 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 will ruin all other fishing for you <laughs>
0: As for me. I'll, I'll bet it does i'll, I'll bet it does i've uh, i've caught my share of some big fish but nothing compared to what you fish for and you're right it uh it it, it would just become an obsession very very quickly wouldn't it oh. does. yeah it's yeah
1: that's a great word for it ted that, yeah. that pretty much sums it up
2: <laughs> very it good
1: is, even in the winter i find myself thinking about okay what can we do better
2: <laughs> right
1: right wow wow
0: well ken morrow we're uh, running short on time at this point um, is there any last words that you want to uh, share or bestow upon people listening to uh, our podcast today yeah
1: i would like to tell people you know i i I would like to say that life is so short. Get after whatever your heart desires. Go get it. Make it happen today. Don't wait because we don't know what tomorrow brings.
0: Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Those are lit, those are words to live by. And uh, too yeah, many people yeah. unfortunately get uh get get get, get older and life goes on a little bit and now they have a lot of I could
1: have or I should have. I don't want to leave this life with any I could have. I want to leave this life with I'm glad I did.
0: There you go. There you You go. And
1: that's what I, that's what I would tell people, you know, you want to come out to an efficient, make it happen. Make it happen. Mm -hmm. Hey, if you can't get a group together, call me, let me know. I can put you with a group. I can make it happen. If you have one person or two people, and it's just too much money to do the whole boat, call me. There's probably one or two other people out there with the same issue. Right. You know? So just make the phone call. Let's discuss it and take it from there. Many times. Um, And I got to tell you, every time we've ever put these charters, these shared charters together, people have a great experience. They meet new people and they're friends by the end of the trip. Yep,
0: you're exactly right. You you never know, right, who you're fishing with, uh, it, it generally, uh, and, and what they do. And uh, I've I've met some great people on the water, and um, we've become fast friends over the years. And it was all because uh, we had to share a boat for a day.
1: Right, it yeah.
0: happens all the time. Yeah, it does all the time. Yeah, it does. Well, Captain Moore, I sure appreciate uh, you spending your, your time with us. I'd love to continue this on. And, and uh, hopefully in the, in the coming months, if you have a couple uh, uh, a couple extra minutes for us, we might get back into some fishing stories. Would that be all right? Sounds good to me, Ted. Okay. Good talking to you, bud. Nice, nice talking to you. You take care, man.